0: Welcome to the prolific teaching ministry of Pastor Emmanuel Eren, Lead Pastor of Celebration Church International. It is his vision to partner with you for your progress and joy in the faith. Ready, set, grow. Praise the Lord. Alright, very quickly this morning turn your Bibles, 2 Timothy chapter 3 verse 16. 2 Timothy Chapter 3, verse 16. It says, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. That! You know, many times when I read this verse, I have different emphasis depending on what we're trying to achieve. We've emphasized doctrine and the fact that the Bible clearly says that all scripture is profitable for doctrine, serviceable for doctrine. When we come to the word of God, we are left with an objective conclusion about right or wrong. The word of God and proper Bible study never leaves us indifferent. Doctrine means a long established pattern of thought, a thought pattern. So, in the word of God, you don't say my truth, your truth. You don't, we don't talk like that. Hallelujah. There is the truth. Say a loud amen. For doctrine, for reproof. Greek word delenchos, which actually means proof, evidence. Evidence. Our evidence about what is right. What is lovely, what is true, what is just, what is honest comes from the word of God, not from culture. And next it says correction, which many, not many people like in our day. Correction, instruction and in righteousness, and all of that is great. But what, what I want to emphasize this morning is that all of this is a means to an end. He tells you it's profitable for doctrine, for instruction, and in righteousness, correction, and all of that. He says, "So that the man of God may be what perfect, perfect Greek word that means complete and truly furnished." Greek word exatus or means means equipped, truly furnished unto all good work. You see, when we come to church. And we learn, we must never forget why we learn all that we learn. The definition of being religious and not really having an actual spiritual experience is to keep learning without it being applied. It says doctrine and all those things so that the man of God may be furnished and prepared unto good work. So if all that you're learning does not find expression in your walk, something's wrong. Do you understand what I'm saying? And that's, that's actual spiritual growth, not just advancement in knowledge. You know, many have tried to differentiate the difference or tell the difference between knowledge and wisdom, and I agree with them. They say wisdom is the application of knowledge. The application of knowledge, and it is what we apply that changes our lives. I've said it time and again, how that there are many words that we know that still aren't part of our daily vocabulary. You know what I'm saying? If they ask you what's the meaning of this word, you know the meaning. But it's a different thing when it filters into your vocabulary. It is the words that you truly understand that you use regularly. Are you with me? There are some words that you even understand, but you're not sure how to use them. Is that true or false? So we know that you are wise by what you use. And that's so important because in our day, we see a lot of Christians who keep coming to church, hearing the word of God, but you see some aspects of their lives and it seems like there is a contradiction and everybody's wondering what's happening. Bible says, if your strength fails in the day of adversity, what does it say is the reason? He said, Your strength is small. So Jesus tells us this. He gives the parable of the sower, which has kind of been our introductory text throughout this series. Gives several reasons, maybe why the word of God is not effective in people's lives. Is not about how viable the seed is. The seed was viable, it's about where it's dropped. Some landed by the wayside. Some landed, and my concern this one morning is the ones that landed amidst thorns. Guess what? The soil was good. In fact, it germinated properly. The seed germinated properly, but because of the thorns, the word of God was still of no effect. Because no matter how much you're growing in the word of God, if you don't learn how to handle trials, you will keep having issues. That parable of the sower, you know, he said, this is what he said about the seed that fell amidst thorns. Matthew chapter 13 verse 22. He says, now he who received the seed among the thorns is he who hears the word and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choked the word. And become they be, it becomes unfruitful. What I'm talking about is a real life situation. You see, are you with me this morning? You love the word of God, but then the deceitfulness of riches, and it's even more terrible in our culture. Get rich or die trying. And that's what we preach in our culture. That's our tradition. So now everybody is fighting to have. And so you come, you hear the word of God, you're so stirred up who you are in Christ. But the next day, you know, you see all your friends, the kind of cars that they drive, and you feel intimidated, and then that begins to affect. Are you with me? And so if that is not dealt with, there will be problem. there will be a problem. So, it turns out that a good farmer is not just someone who knows how to pick the right seed or pick the right soil. A good farmer must also make sure that that soil is devoid of competition. There is nothing competing for space or nutrition with the seed. Are you getting what I'm saying? So, he must use a rake, take out all the weed, take out all the stones, take out all the thorns, otherwise, by the time the seed begins to germinate, some things will thrive over it and kill it! And that's what we're trying to do, this, avoid this month, to identify the things that appear to make the word of God of non-effect in some people's lives, and just extinguish it. Extinguish it. So now, you know the scriptures so well, but like we dealt with last week, you're still battling insecurity. Or you know the word of God so well, but you still have anxiety issues. It's a problem. It needs to be dealt with. And so this morning, we're doing handling or dealing with anxiety. Dealing with anxiety. What does it mean to be anxious? Dictionary meaning, The word anxious means full mental distress or uneasiness because of fear of danger or misfortune. Full mental distress or uneasiness because of fear of danger or misfortune. It means to be greatly worried. Greatly worried. To be worried sick. So how do you handle that? We need to know how to go about that. Because what I just defined to you is what our culture thrives on. Have you noticed there is always something to worry about? Always something to worry about. In primary school, you were worried about getting good grades in common entrance. You got into the school, then there was junior YEK. Then there was YEK. And you know, in our culture, you know, there is this unspoken narrative. Ah, to get into the university is not really easy, especially the federal universities. It's not very easy. The competition is very stern. I would never forget how I felt when I saw one of the prefects in my secondary school, a very brilliant chap, one year after he graduated, and he had not gotten into the university. Ah, I said, who then can be saved? You know, my trouble with this country, you know, it freaked me out. It freaked me out. In fact, around that period, I was, I was getting closer to God. I wanted something. Like, this, let me just enter. Sorry for all that I've been doing. Just give me admission. You know, see the many testimonies that you hear in church, because it's a big deal. How many of you share testimony when you got admission? <laughs> <laughs> you, you see, these are testimonies that people in other countries cannot, you know, they can't relate to what you're saying. Praise the Lord, I got admission. Ah. Praise the Lord, I got a car. Hallelujah. <laughs> and then you got in the university finally. And then from your first week the people in the older, you know, levels already begin to tell you, this lecturer, watch out for him, he's very wicked. In fact, nobody used to pass his course. You know what I'm saying? Nobody. And then the man will just come in. As he's coming in, they're shutting the doors, everybody's scrambling to get in, you know, and he just says, well, in this class, the brilliant ones among you will get C the rest of you are likely to fail. If you had any lecturer like that, raise your hand. You know, they, it makes them happy. Just to make you anxious. Now you're like, oh my God, what, what kind of life is this? What am I going to do? You beat yourself up concerning it. You, know, you do your best. And then, now you're worried. Yeah, I'm about to graduate. Will I get a job? Will I get brother so-and-so? has been in the labor market for two years. No job. Will I get a job? What kind of job will I get? Maybe your results aren't that great. You were battling, you were, you were striving to get first class or maybe even a 2-1 and then you did not make it. Now, like, it's finished. You know, based on all that people have been telling, no job. No job. <laughs> maybe people tell you, you know, my dad made it clear. He said, if you don't finish with the 2-1, nobody can employ you. That's what he said. That's what he knew. Do you understand? He was speaking. <laughs> Hallelujah. And now you're like, many of you know what I'm saying. It's cool that we're all laughing. But that anxiety is real. It's your graduation. Everybody is happy. You're not really happy. You're smiling, You're like, ah, what is going to happen? What, what am I going to make of my life? And then you finally get a job. Next thing, marriage. Ah, who will marry me? <laughs> you know the one that freaks me out. The young ladies who are not even in a relationship or married yet. Some are worried they won't have children. I talk to people so I know. Worry is a bad habit. And I'm using worry because it's one of the synonyms of anxiety. It it means to be greatly worried, right? It's a bad habit. It's a bad method of handling pressure. Very terrible. There are other ways to handle pressure. Other ways. Other ways. But some people would rather worry. Worry about everything. Worry about the bad things that are going on in their life. Oh, I need a better job. This, I don't have enough money. I don't have enough clothes. Relationship issues. And all of that. And let me tell you, I'm not saying that these concerns are not legitimate. I'm just saying you're going about it the wrong way. Yeah. Worrying about the things that are going wrong in your life. Some others are worried about the things that are going well. You know what I'm saying. Worry about things going well. That one day, it it will all end. You were worried you were going to be broke all your life, you got a job. Now you are worried that you will not be rich for long. Something will happen. What if they just sack me? So you're at the office, they say, your boss is calling you and your heart is pounding, pounding, pounding. Hallelujah. When is all this going to end? Worried. What if I just fall sick? I can't go to work anymore. People have to take care of me. You know, excuse me when I say this. I think that ladies are very good at this. Now, worry is not gender-specific, all right? But ladies have the tendency in relationship. For instance, let me give you an example. Has it ever happened to you that you were watching a movie and something happened in the movie? You now started imagining... You see, the ladies are laughing already. You now started imagining you were the one and you are angry as if you were the one And then you are trying to imagine what your partner would have done if he was the one in the shoes of that guy who was being stupid in the movie. And you are angry because you can imagine how you will act. And so the next time you see him, there's an awkwardness. How are you doing? Fine. You know. And the guy's like, oh, how was your day? You just, do you love me? Do you love me? Because we, we have the ability to create scenarios in our mind that aren't even real. And we're worried about the scenarios that we have created. Worried sick about them. Praise the Lord. Let me tell you one more silly one. Have you ever been in a high rise building? And you're not like, what if I just fall? <laughs> what if I just fall and you're there standing still but you're imagining falling Aaah! in your mind <laughs> I'm worrying about you know. praise the Lord we just have to learn to deal with it in the word of God in fact a doctor, Dr. Walter says only 8% of our worries are legitimate. The other 92 will never happen or aren't even real. You know, a man, I'm speaking metaphorically, this is just a story, saw death walking in his neighborhood and he said, where are you going? He says, well, I'm going to take 10 people today. And He's like, you're so wicked, why would you do that? And he said, well, that's a job description. (laughs) So, this young man runs ahead of death, warns the whole neighborhood. Death is coming. Be careful. Keep your house in order, lock your doors, and all of that. By the end of the day, 100 people died. And so he went to challenge death. He said, you're so wicked. You said you would take 10 people, and 100 people died. He said, I kept my word, I took only 10. War killed the remaining nights. <laughs> What I'm saying is actually what happens to many people. Many doctors will tell you at least 45% of the people, what am I saying? Let me get the statistic right. 95% this census was done in the U.S. Of the people who visit physicians, visit for stress-related issues. Stress-related issues. They check you. They say there's nothing wrong. And I'm not talking about spiritual problem. You just... There's, there's nothing wrong with you. It's from the mind. You have to handle it. You have to handle it. Don't you see there is something wrong? There's something wrong. There are more people depressed. Why? Why? Young people having high blood pressure. Why? So it is one thing for us to emphasize the healing power of God, for you to get killed, you know, and all of that, but it's another for you to allow the word of God to influence and impact these aspects of your life. Once and for all. Are you with me this morning? And That's what we're trying to do. Jesus teaches about this, and we're going to study this text. We're going to do just a brief commentary. Matthew chapter 6, 25. Please open your Bibles. Matthew 6, 25. And we're going to read Through to verse 33. And then just do a commentary on that essentially. Matthew chapter 6 verse 25. It says and I read. It says therefore I say unto you. Do not worry about life. What you shall eat or what you shall drink. Or about your body. What you shall put on. Is not life more than food. And the body than clothing. Look at the fowls of the air. For they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns. Yet your heavenly father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Which of you by worrying can add one cubit to his stature? So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I say to you that not even Solomon in all his glory was arrayed like one of these. Now if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, Will he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Therefore, do not worry, saying, "What shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear?" For after all these things, do the Gentiles seek? For your heavenly Father knows that you have need of these things. Verse thirty today, everybody read together. want to go. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. So here we have five reasons. Five reasons not to be anxious. Five reasons not not to be anxious. And I'm going, going to take them one after the other and then say something else and then we close. Number one, it says, life is more than meat and raiment. Life is more than meat. (laughs) You know, it's interesting that we have to talk about this, but it's not a big deal in our generation. Life is more than meat. There is more to life than what you eat and how you look. You know, a census was taken in the U.S. about things that make people worried. Some were worried about, you know, war. Of course, especially at this time, tension, America, Iran, you know, and all of that. Some were worried about war. Some were worried about uh, finances. Some worried about different things. But in that particular research, guess what topped the list of worries? How do I look? And, like, uh, you know, like a man of God put it, he said, so they don't, it doesn't matter to them if they die in battle or any other thing, just make sure I'm looking good. And that's the bane of this generation. Life is more than raiment. Life is more than what you eat. Praise the Lord. There are too many properly dressed, incompetent people in our generation. It has to stop. And it amplifies your errors. You know, when you look so good and you talk and you know. So we're just, we're just appealing to you. Dress your body, but dress your mind also. Listen, there are more important things in life. Just being brutally honest, okay? Learn to focus on what matters the most. I'm not saying don't dress well. Dress well. But have more than just dressing. Make sure you prioritize properly in your life. Praise the name of the Lord. Look at Luke chapter 12, verse 15. One of my favorite texts, I will read this a million times more because it's so important in this generation. Luke chapter 12 verse 15. Have you opened your Bibles? Thank you, Jesus. Jesus said, Take heed and beware of covetousness for one's life does not consist in the abundance of things he possesses. If you will believe this, your life will change. My life does not consist in the abundance of things that I possess. I have more worth than what my bank account reads currently. My life does not consist in the abundance of the things. Can I tell you something? If you take all the millions of naira that a millionaire has and you give it to a poor unprepared mind, He will squander it. Let me tell you something. We are designed all right, to settle everything, all the opportunities that we encounter and balance it up to the strength and the quality of our mind. Such that no matter how much money you receive now, you will still end up where you are according to the level of your thoughts. Are you getting what I'm saying? There is more to life than what you have. A man's life does not consist in the abundance. What would your life be like if you could walk confident of who you are in Christ and not just your bank accounts? If you would treat people, you would see more worth in people than how they look, how they're dressed. Our community, our country will be so much better. So much double standard around. We disrespect the elderly gate man and respect the young CEO. And you think that's a culture of respect? That's not respect. A man's you are honoring money, not people. Are you with me? You know you can be a child of God and still be doing these things. One of us, you know, he was trying to preach to a taxified driver, and the guy was talking about how many bad experiences he has had with believers. He said just weeks before, some guys entered his vehicle. You know, they didn't even say hello to him. Why would they say hello to a driver? They just started praying in the spirits. They were kabashing, kabashing, kabashing. And then, you know, after a while, you know, they were late to where they were going. I think they were going to church. And they were like, guy, enter one way now, see opportunity, you know, you know. Enter this place. You are not... You are dull. You are so slow. You're talking to him like that. It's, 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 it's something we have to change. Some people keep learning, never come to a point of truth. You have to stop treating people poorly. You have to stop worshipping money. Say that with me. My life does not consist in the abundance of things that I possess. You learn it once and for all. When you learn this, you will start focusing on your mind on things that matter. You start improving your comprehension, improving your communication, improving your relationships. Some people are only nice to people because they are yet to make it. You know what I mean? It's, you know that it that we all talk about? It. Whatever it means. The moment We begin to do well. We begin to isolate ourselves. Because we never really believed in relationships. For many people, other people are just ladders to their goals. You see that? You step on them to get to where you're going. My life does not consist in the abundance of things. So when I see someone who has a lot of money, I'm happy for them, but I'm not intimidated. And I'm not under any pressure to prove any point. You understand what I'm saying? Avoid people, friends, that you always have to prove a point to. Some of us, you know, we spend money that we don't have to impress people who don't care. And they don't care now, chances are they never will. How about you just move on, focus on your life? Say that with me, my life does not consist in the abundance of things that I possess. Let me tell you something. This is what makes you a child of God. That no matter how a culture is prevalent around you, you can hear who you are in the word and align. Make sure this is not passing one ear and going out the other. Make it a principle of your life that people will see you and they will know there is more to you than all you have. If all you have is money, you are poor. Did you hear what I said? Should I say that again? If all you have is money, you are very poor. So he says, life is more than raiment, life is more than food. Number two, worry won't improve your life. He said, "Which of you, by worrying, has been able successfully to add a cubit to your stature?" Ah, Jesus could preach. Hallelujah. He said, "It's not helping you." Okay. Yeah, your concerns are legitimate. But how is this worry, this anxiety, this, you're beating yourself up about it? Praise the Lord. One encounter that changed my life forever. I was talking to a mentor, like an older friend in school. And I was telling him, oh, we want to have this conference. We want to use this hall. I don't know how to go about... I don't know how to ask them, these people, if we can use their hall, you know. And then he just said, what's the worst they will say? The worst they will say is no. And I was like, oh, that's true. The worst they will say is no. It just helped me to calm down. Some of you need to think that way. There There are a lot of things... That you should have been doing that you're not doing because you are worried about how it will turn out. Sometimes you need, what's the worst that will happen? Praise the name of Jesus. Do it. I mean, worrying is not going to help. Can I tell you something? There are some terrible things that have happened in your life in the past, and every time you think about it, you just feel like maybe a spear is in your heart. Guess what? it has happened. Are you with me? It has happened. Well, I'm sorry. It has happened. So, it's either you move on or you don't. But well, sitting on the floor every day, beating yourself over it, it's not going to change it. It's not going to change it. Worried about how people who don't like you, people you It's not going to change it. It's not going to add to your stature. It won't improve your life. If anything, it will shorten your life for sure. So whatever I'm worried about, I'm about to get worse because i worried. Are you getting what I'm saying? This is so important. It's very important especially in handling relationships with people. Can I tell you something? Just know this. Everybody has the privilege free will. If someone decides not to believe in you, not to care about you, there's nothing you can do about it. If someone decides not to be your friend anymore, there's nothing you can do about it. All you can do is to make sure you keep improving yourself, you keep being a person of value, leave the rest to people's conscience, leave the rest to God. But when you beat yourself up about okay, you did your best in the relationship. The girl said she's not doing, or the boy said he's not. It's nothing you, not you can do. I had to burst the bubble. But the person you're dating right now, if they choose not to do it again, there's nothing you can do. Settling things like this ahead of time will help you not to be anxious too much. Because now you're vulnerable. Always holding on to the person, and all of that, can I tell you something? Vulnerability reduces your attractiveness. Reduces your attractiveness. Just Work on yourself. Focus on yourself. Do you, the, the funny thing about people is that they are more likely to care about you when you don't care if they care or not. When the things that you are doing to improve your life, you are doing it for yourself and for God. Then they will care. Because people just like to associate with successful and focused people. Hallelujah. Focus. Focus. Worry won't add to your stature. It won't. It won't. It wounds. So don't do it. So when you are crying about something, scared about something, ask yourself this as I'm crying now, how is it changing the situation? How? How? Praise the Lord. And I'm not asking you to be a robot devoid of emotions, but I'm saying, don't waste away there. Don't waste away. Two years after, they see you crying. You say, why? It's second year anniversary that he said he's not interested anymore. Ah uh-uh. ah. You have blocked him, but you have other accounts. You are still checking him out. He will die, you. And I don't mean that in a prophetic negative Move on. Praise the Lord. Don't want person by your side, generally Say, move on, move on. I hope the person by your side is not your ex. <laughs> 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 you better watch where you sit in this church. What's number one? You have laughed it away. What's number one? What's number two? What's number three? You don't know it yet. The Gentiles worry. In the Bible, unbelievers were called Gentiles. Gentiles. Ah. Verse 32, he says, for after these things the Gentiles seek for your heavenly father knows that you have need of them. So, in my life there must be a difference between myself and someone else who doesn't believe in God. I shouldn't fear their fear. Are you with me? That's what God told Jeremiah. Don't fear their fear. The Gentiles are worried and you're worried too? They don't have a heavenly father. You do. So why shouldn't I fear like the Gentiles? He said, your heavenly father knows that you have need of these things. Your daddy knows. He's a responsible father. Trust him. Don't act like an orphan. You are not an orphan. Hallelujah. You're not an orphan. You've got a dad in heaven and he cares about you. How about you trust him? Say that to yourself. Say, my daddy knows. So, so don't act like an unbeliever. Frantic about everything, anxious about everything. My daddy knows. My daddy knows. Praise the Lord. And you know, that leads me to the next point. In verse 30, it says, Now, if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Next reason why you shouldn't worry is because worry it's a demonstration of little faith. Your faith is small. I said it on Wednesday. You're standing in, in front of a building and it looks so majestic. Intimidated by how big it is. But by the time you enter into an airplane and you begin to fly, the building becomes smaller and smaller and smaller the higher you go. You see, same things from God's perspective makes even the great challenges in your life very small. Hallelujah. And sooner or later you're going to have to learn to trust God. There is no other sane way to go through life than to learn to trust God. You can't take away uncertainty in this life. It comes with the package. Comes with a package. You will face unfavorable circumstances in the future. That's no prophecy of doom. It's life. So, how are you going to handle it? Worry and anxiety? No, there's a better way. Put your faith in God. Are you with me? Put your faith in God. So, when you think about the future, and how harsh the economy is. Put your faith in God. Think about the relationship, relationship concerns. All the complexities. P- put your faith in God. The Bible says, casting all your cares on him because he cares for you. Do you believe that? I don't want you to answer religiously. Do you really believe that? That he cares for you? What's your name? Do you believe that God cares for you? You can trust him with your future. Hallelujah. Say that I can trust him with my future. There's an old song we used to sing in children's church. My lifetime, I will give God my lifetime. If I give God my lifetime, what did he say will happen? He will take care of me. That's, 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 such a positive perspective to life. He will take care of me. I'll be alright. Hallelujah. Reminds me of the song by Don Wen. We're going to be alright. We're going to be alright. Have you heard that Don Wayne song? It's in the album that is coming out. You'll be alright. Praise the Lord. Alright, to see if you're following. Number one is what? Number two is what? Number three is what? Number four, reason why you shouldn't worry is what? Alright, and number five is <laughs> God is providential. God is providential. Look, 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 look at the examples he gave. He said, look at the files of the air anyway. The birds of the air. Just can't help it. The birds of the air. Now, the birds of the air, it's not as if they wait for food to come to them, they move around, so they show responsibility. But they move around expecting to find food. And they are almost never disappointed. Think about that. They move around to fields that they did not labor on. They perch and go. And that's God's structural providence in taking care of birds. He said, you are worth more than many sparrows. Are you with me? Think about what it means to be a bird. You know, they don't have job security. There is no single bird in the universe that has job security. So every day, they demonstrate faith. They fly around hoping to find food. And they are never disappointed. And God said, you are more valuable than sparrows. He said, if the birds can trust me. I like it when god uses lower classes of animals to challenge us so the birds they have more faith than you they have more faith they have more faith They just go so there are birds that feed their children not because they have any job they just fly out hallelujah and they find food and they're still responsible they, they, the spouses amongst the birds, they don't, have, they don't quarrel about money. Just fly out in faith. Everyone is fed. Everyone is okay. He said, you are worth more than many sparrows. If birds can trust God, maybe not consciously, but in the providential structure of creation, you can trust God too. I'll be alright. Uh, uh, even birds that are not walking, then me, I'm not walking. And the wisdom of God is on my life. Uh, uh, What what are we talking about here? It's only a matter of time. Do you believe that? It's only only a matter of time. I don't care what you're going through. It's only a matter of time. You'll be fine. By the wisdom of God, by the leading of the Spirit, you you will be fine. You'll be fine. I, I can trust God. He's providential. Do you know what it means that God is providential? It means the events of your life, the events of the man, man's life who is led by the Lord will only lead where God is leading him. No matter what anyone tries to do. Let me take that again. The events of the life of a man who is led by God will only lead where God is leading him, no matter what anyone else tries to do. So Jesus called himself savior. They were angry. And in killing him, they fulfilled. Are you getting what I'm saying? That's the providence of God. Joseph dreamt that his brothers bowed to him. His brothers wanted to ensure that that would never happen. So they sold him into slavery and set the stage for that prophecy to be fulfilled. Are you you getting what I'm saying? If you trust in the providence of God, you will have a different perspective To the ill circumstances in your life. The happenings in your life that don't go well. If you trust in the providence of God, you will have a different perspective. It can only work together for good. That's the perspective. Only for good. Only for good. They tried to bury us. They didn't know we were seeds. Yay! Hey! Hallelujah! They tried to drown us. They didn't know we were Gary. We rise. Hey. hey. <laughs> but what I just said, as funny as it is, is very biblical. It says, Count it all joy when you go through diverse tests. It says, These things, you know, they make you stronger. Even the terrible situations in your life make you stronger. It's a perspective to life that I can never be disadvantaged. Never. Never. So when the brothers are in front of Joseph, the prime minister, you know what I think? Joseph, you know, if he's thinking well, he has to thank them. He has to, because if not for their wickedness, he will not have fulfilled purpose. You are not with me this morning. Think deeply about what I said. What if God wants to use the wickedness of the people around you to show his glory in your life? Imagine if Joseph knew better earlier before, you know, years before. Will he stop? Will he stop the brothers from doing what they want to do? He will just be smiling as they put him in the well and chilling. You know. And then think about it. Listen. Let me read it to you. Turn your Bibles to the book of Genesis. Are you learning anything today? Genesis 37. God is providential. <laughs> it says, Then they took him and cast him into the pit. The pit was empty. There was no water. Now he would have died there. So they cast him into the pit and they sat down to eat a meal. Then they lifted their eyes and looked just by chance. Right at that moment, the Bible says there were a company of Ishmaelites coming to Gilead with their camel. You know, so they were slave traders passing. By chance. Hallelujah. Right at the moment they were thinking of what to do with Joseph. They were just passing. By chance. Say that's my life. My life is a life of divine coincidences. Divine coincidences. Divine coincidences. That when you go to drop Moses. That's when Pharaoh's daughter will be bathing. Say that's my life. Just, it, it, things just go well with me. I, I don't understand. Just things just go well with me. Just go well. Just go well. That's how to talk. Thank you, Jesus. Because God is providential. He is. He is. He is. He knows how to provide in a way you were wondering how. How. Remember the Abraham and Isaac incident? He's about to slaughter Isaac that he sees, you know, in the thicket of the bush, a ram stranded and trapped. Ah ah, like God. You know, I don't know how you do this. God is really good at this stuff, oh. He knows how to take care of people. I know. I know he does. Trust him. Are you listening to me? I'm taking my time because I don't just want this to be another sermon. I want it to sink into your heart, into your spirit. You can trust him. He's providential. When we talk about the providential God, we're talking about God's ability to go into the future, to influence it for your advantage. To influence it for your advantage. Do you know who God is? He was boasting to the prophet. He said, I declare the end from the beginning. I can never get over that text. It's just like you turn on the news, and you see the newscaster reading the news of next week, as if it has already happened. God said, that's how I am. (laughs) That's how, you know, because when he says, this is how it will happen, it will happen. Everything will align to fulfill prophecy. It must. So you'll be all right. Go through the process well. When they imagine Joseph, the guy with many colors, they stripped him of that cloth, sold him as a slave, they put him on a platform, they auctioned him out. Go in, go 15 naira. Go in, he's very strong, go see his muscle. They, think about that. Hallelujah. When you're going through all those things, still remember what God has said. Remember. You may not see it now. Don't wait till the end to be thankful. Remember what He has said. He's the providential God. The complexities of your present cannot intimidate His plan for your future. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. So, God is providential. Say that one more time. Hallelujah. I want to challenge you with the writings of a man of the senses. I want to talk about David. David, I'm calling him a man of the senses because he didn't have the indwelling presence of God. You see, the way the Spirit of God walked with saints of old is his spirit would descend and equip them for specific tasks so he never really had the spirit within but he spoke with such confidence about God and his capabilities in his life and I think that should stir us up this morning Psalm 23, I know you know we just opened it, hallelujah this is so powerful thank you Jesus what a confession to have he said the Lord is my shepherd I Glory to God. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. What a boast. Remember, a man of the senses. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. My source of supply is not my job. My source of supply is not even my connections. The Lord is my my supply, my shepherd. What a perspective to have about God. He's a caregiver. Like a shepherd before his sheep. He guides and he guards. I have a good shepherd. I shall not want. Jesus came on the scene. Many years after. He called himself the good shepherd. Do you know. Look at how he differentiated. You know. Himself from others. Look at John chapter 10. John chapter 10 verse 12. He said the hireling. He that is a hireling and not a shepherd, whose own the sheep are not, seeth the wolf coming and leaveth the sheep and flees. He's differentiating himself from a hireling. Who is a hireling? He said, If the sheep is not your own, when a wolf is coming, you will leave them alone. But he said, I'm the good shepherd. You know what that means? I'm going to defend you, I'm going to secure you. I'm going to provide for you. I'm not going to leave you in a time of trouble. Are you getting this? It's the hireling that runs away when you're in trouble. When you're in trouble, remember he's a good shepherd. And at least have enough faith like David if you forget who you are in Christ, at least borrow a leaf from David and say, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want a perspective to the future. Imagine you're thinking about the future, all the uncertainties, all the things you're trying to achieve, and you say, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Oh, glory to God. I know the implication of his being in my life. If he's my shepherd, then I shall not want. He said, It makes me lie down in green pastures. Ah, David. What a man he was to talk like that. He makes me lie down in green pastures. And you're wondering, Green pastures? What are they doing lying down in green pastures? A sheep, when they find green pastures, they should be eating, standing and eating. Why are they lying down? Because they are fed, they are full, they are satisfied, they are chilling. Are you getting this? So now, I'm resting. And around me is supply. If I need anything, I just have to reach for it. What a perspective about God and how he provides. You know, so, uh, you know, another thing is this. If I only have temporary access to the field, even if I was full, I would still be eating. Because I don't know when next. Remember, you know, have you ever been to a party that you see food that you don't see normally? And you know, <laughs> remember the first time, Went, I had buffet with Pastor K. You know, Pastor K, you don't know, understand. Don't give me eye, I'll say it. <laughs> you know, <laughs> he knows all these scopes. So he said, Pastor, don't drink water. Don't drink water. Yes? If you drink water, you'll be full. Let's eat very well. <laughs> I said, Oh, that's the scope. He said, Then i only eat small rice, go for meat. You know, <laughs> don't cover your face. Don't worry. Yeah. You're fresh, but you have a good appetite. <laughs> Even though we, we can't really say where, you know. But anyway, you know, I love you. All right. So, but, but, but now, <laughs> they are full and they are resting. You know why? Because their access to that green pasture is not temporary. The shepherd owns the field. Hallelujah. So you are chilling there. Around you is green pasture. It says, he leads me beside the still waters. Glory to God. So, I'm thirsty, there's water. I'm hungry, there's food. Long and short, I shall not want. Imagine looking at your future. Without conviction, the Lord is my shepherd. You know, pe- maybe people are boasting. You know, I know I have an uncle; it's very powerful. Oh, I've got money. I've got it's, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Say that we made this morning. Say the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Hallelujah. In my relationship, in my health, in my career, in my ministry, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. There might be people who were there before and just choose not to believe in you, not to be there for you anymore, you'll be all right. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. They made promises. They're going to give you this. They're going to, you know, half of my kingdom, ask to the half of my kingdom. Nigerians like to make extravagant promises. Makes no difference. Hallelujah. You know, the way I structure my mind, there is no single person that you will remove from my life and my life will crumble. Of course, that does not mean you can't rest on people as pillars. Do you understand? We thank God for the people around us. But make sure God is, you know that song? You are the pillar that of my life A. It it's a nice song. Hallelujah. Make sure he is the center of your peace. The center of your peace. That's the only way to have lasting peace. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Can you say that four times? One, two, go. The Lord is my shepherd. Two. Three. Close your eyes for this fourth one. One, two, go. The Lord is my shepherd. Hallelujah. said, he leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. Hallelujah. It means no matter the loss I've experienced in the past, He rejuvenates me. He refreshes me. Hallelujah. You will never see me and I look damaged because of the things people have said, the things people have done. I'm refreshed. Because of who my shepherd is, He restores my soul. Hallelujah. He restores my soul. Listen, you don't have to look like your past. Every time... People look at you, why you so moody? Oh, in 1995, I was abused. And listen, I'm not trying to say that those things are not legitimate concerns. But you still have a bright future ahead of you. Hallelujah. Your latter will be greater than your past. Are you listening to me? Say that with conviction. He restores my soul. Hallelujah. Say this morning, I'm refreshed. My soul is alive. There is no death within me. Oh, I'm refreshed. God has restored my soul. Hallelujah. You know, when, when, you, when, when you have that conviction about God, you're going to let go of the past, all the disappointments. Oh, I should be in Canada by now. I should have done this. If, if only he kept his promise. If only he did this. No! I'm free. No animosity. No time for beef. No time, you know, I don't have energy for that. He restores my soul. Hallelujah. He leads me in the path of righteousness for his namesake, for his own integrity. I'm his boy. Don't you understand? What will the world say? A child of God going through this for his namesake. My life has become his integrity to protect for his names. He leads me in the path of righteousness. Yay! Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. What a perspective about the future. Oh, bring on the trouble. I know who is with me. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. The presence of God is my comfort. Hallelujah. He he protects, he guides. The same stick is both a rod and a staff. For warding off the enemy and for guiding me through the shrubs, Through the bushes, the same weapon. Hallelujah. I've got the answer for my future. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Do you believe this this morning? Make this your conviction. Make this your conviction. He prepares a table before me. In the presence of my enemy. This is different from the warfare prayers you are used to. Die, 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 die. You know? It's very frustrating. But how about this? God will bless you and nobody can do anything about it. Can't touch you. Can't touch your children. Can't touch your wife. Can't touch your business. Can't, you will continue to grow in prosperity all the days of your life. Say Amen, like you believe it. Your health will continue to flourish in the presence of my enemies. He has anointed my head with oil. My cup run it over. Thank you, Jesus. I want to give you 20 seconds. Just thank him for your future. 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 Thank you, Lord. Thank him for your future. There's no need to give up. You've got God. Yes, that business crashed. You're bouncing back. You've not seen the best of God. Thank him. i give you 10 more seconds. Make it count and thank him. Thank him for your future. In Jesus' mighty name, we have prayed. So just to conclude my note, three simple ways to deal with anxiety. I'm not going to dwell too much on this. Number one, I call them the three P's. Number one is practice. Number one is practice. There are things, many times anxiety is a reflection of inexperience. Did you hear what I said? It's a reflection of inexperience. Practice. The big things in your future, you are anxious of Start doing smaller things in that direction. So that when the opportunity to fight Goliath comes, you will say, I have faced the lion, I have faced the bear. Do you understand what I'm saying? If you have not faced the lion and the bear, chances are you will not have the confidence to face Goliath. And even if you do, they will not allow you. You have no track record. Are you listening to me? So it's okay to have great dreams. Start doing things now in the direction of that dream. Start practicing. Start practicing. Start practicing. Start practicing. The more you practice, the more confident you get. The more comfortable you get. Practice. Don't run away from fear. Listen, there are several victories, several treasures treasures on the other side of fear. Did you hear what I said? There are many good things that fear will hinder you from. Never run away from fear. In fact, can I tell you something about my life? I run towards fear. That's the way I get better. I run anything that that I'm not confident to do, that I need to be doing, I start doing it often. Don't avoid it. You don't like mathematics? Study it every day. Are you listening to me? Make it a habit to run towards fear. Run towards fear. Even if it's a bad thing that you're anxious about, it's because you've not handled the word of God in that direction. Take time to grow your faith in that direction. Study what the word of God says. Pray about it. Listen to sermons about it. Build your faith. Build your faith. There are some things that will never trouble me again forever. Never. Never. Because what, what, what's the theme of this month again? Masterpiece, right? You can master. I'm telling you, this is something you can, you can grasp. You know it once and for all, and no one can take it from you. So number one, P, is what? Number two is prayer. We talked about this on Wednesday. By the way, if you're not here on Wednesday, I think you missed you be, uh, come on, don't you have a witness? Are you, like, if you're not here on Wednesday, I don't know what to say to you. Like, I, I just don't know. At least try to get the sermon. It won't really cut it, but it should help you a little. You know, hallelujah. We had such a great time. Prayer peace. It's a sermon to listen to as often as you can. So powerful. The Bible says be anxious for nothing. But in everything, this is, this, is, this is God's alternative to anxiety. He that instead of anxiety, in everything, in everything, with prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, make your request known unto God. The so second piece, is prayer. Pray about it. Pray about it. There is nothing, 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 no challenge that prayer cannot handle. Ha, ha, ha. Just go and listen to that sermon. You pray about it. And number three is a step of faith. You praise God about it. You praise. You praise. When you praise, you are casting your cares on God. You're telling him, you know what, sir? I trust you. I trust you. Uh -uh. You've done it many times before. I've read your word. I know who you are. I know who you are. I know what you're capable of. With men this might be difficult, but with you with you, with you God, nothing is impossible. Ah ah. You? You've raised many men. See, it doesn't take God time to change lives. So. I've seen it. I've seen it. Praise the Lord. So what's number one? Number two. Number three. I want to give you ten more seconds. Just thank God. Praise Him about your future. See, I refuse to worry. I refuse to fret. Thank you for listening. We are sure that you have been blessed. For inquiries, reach us on our helpline 809 7,000 Blessings